You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. Vitally important edition. Conference championship edition. Coaching carousel edition. And always a mailbag edition. It is Thursday morning, December 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Josh Pate, uh, as I have been all season long. So it's probably irrelevant to introduce myself by name at this point. But I do it nonetheless because a focus group somewhere told us that's the way to introduce a podcast. We have got a lot to discuss, you and I. We've got a trip to Atlanta to take after I record and head over to the gym this morning, working out at Columbus State University Rec Center for the past two days. Haven't worked out there in a couple of years. Before that, I worked out there every day for like five years, so it's been nice to get back over there and see some folks that I hadn't seen in a while. But it's busy. We're busy. This is obviously a very irregular week. Been on the road all week. Uh, Going to be on the road tonight. Late Kick Live in Atlanta as I record right now. It's very early Thursday morning. I got to be real with you, and I, it does not do me any pleasure to admit this. I don't even know where we're doing the show from tonight. All I can tell you is somewhere in the 404 area code, we will have Late Kick emanating live from Atlanta. And if it doesn't happen, just want you to know I take no responsibility. You know our motto around here. We want all the credit with none of the blame. And that's the exact way, kids, that I instruct you to live your life. Now, anyone who's new to the podcast, that's a joke. We joke around here. We do that from time to time. So there's the thumb and the ribs. Just laugh. Let's move on. I have learned that I do have to, every couple of months, preface some of these things with eh, 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 laugh. Laugh. It's okay. Laugh track. There you go. So yeah, Late Kick Live, allegedly from Atlanta tonight. That will be the title of the show. Allegedly from Atlanta. AFA. That is tonight's Late Kick. L-K-A-F-A. Those of you who will know will know. And the only way you'll ever be in on that joke is to have listened to whichever number of the Late Kick Extra podcast this is. There's a whole lot going on. So what I want to do is I don't want to ruin tonight's show, but I do want to answer your questions because normally the Late Kick Extra, well, it's always a mailbag for those of you unfamiliar. You can submit questions at Late Kick Josh on Twitter or Instagram. But normally what this mailbag looks like is a whole bunch of things that have been asked once or twice. So I got like a thousand questions, but there are really very few duplicates. Well, right now, because there are certain things dominating the college football landscape, we've got like hundreds of you asking about the same thing. So what I'm going to do is not give an individual name. I'm going to make up a name 
that represents all of you who asked a question along the lines of the way the question is asked. And we're going to hit as many as we can this morning. And trust me, if we're not getting to it this morning, we're going to get to it later tonight. I also have an idea about how we can add one more little piece of content onto the platform for this weekend. And I am playing around with it. It has to do with Twitter spaces. I am obsessed with that entire concept right now. Those of you who are unfamiliar, familiarize yourself. Give it a Google. It's worth a Google. The campaign. Very underrated movie. I believe that's Zach Galifianakis. It's worth a Google. Well, I would advise you, if you don't know what Twitter spaces are slash is, go uh, give it a Google. And I think we're going to probably crank one of those up at some point this weekend on the ground in Atlanta uh, just to see how it goes because I've been invited to a lot of them. So I figure... Well, how about I stop mooching off other people and just have my own? So we're going to look into that. I don't have a firm date or anything like that, but we're going to look into that possibly, possibly when we do Friday Night Lines. Because the one thing that you want to do with a concept that's worked all year is you want to change it at the 11th hour. So, hey, why not? We'll see. Uh, That's not confirmed. We'll just see about that. So let's dive in this morning to the mailbag. Obviously, a lot of you, uh, let's say Jeremetrius, he wants to know about the Notre Dame assistant coaches not following Brian Kelly. What do you think about these Notre Dame assistant coaches and Brian Kelly allegedly wanted to hire all of them and they're not following him. And so Brian Kelly has basically been cast out on a little iceberg all by himself out into the sea and he will obviously fail and be a complete laughing stock of college football. What do I think about it? Uh, those were my words, not yours. Well, here's what I think about it. I care, but I don't care. Obviously, if you offer someone a job, it's because they are the option you want the most. If they turn it down, you missed on your first option. So that's a little unfortunate, right? I actually had some people from coaching staffs, uh, many of them, texting me over the last 48 hours. I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. One of the knocks on Brian Kelly within our industry has always been that he hasn't had a ton of stops in his career. Therefore, he hasn't built a huge coaching tree and he doesn't have the extensive network that other coaches have. And so it was always going to be hard for him to hire. Now, that's been a knock on him. Uh, I don't know if it's valid or not, but it's a knock that's that's, uh, been widely repeated about Brian Kelly behind the scenes. So when he takes the LSU job, that's the first thing a lot of people started to say. Ooh, it's going to be tough for him to hire staff down there. Now, I laughed at that, and I'm still laughing at it, even as this is happening. See, a lot of people are looking at this as validation for that opinion. A lot of people are saying... Man, he couldn't even get his own staff to follow him to LSU. So A, I was right about this all along. Take that. And B, who's he going to get? Like, where if you can't even get your own staff to follow you, where are you going to go? Well, a lot of you have started to rehash this story. Those of you who are, have a little age on you, and or at least no history, a lot of you have started to rehash a very familiar story, especially in LSU circles. Uh, once upon a time, kiddos, there was a guy. He was the head coach at Michigan State. His name was Nicholas Lou Saban, and Nicholas Lou Saban, you might know him as Nick, he gets hired from Michigan State to LSU. Nick Saban sends a jet back up to East Lansing to pick up his assistants. He's trying to hire his assistants. He wants to bring his staff with him. That jet comes back with the pilots on it, and that's it. No one wanted to follow him. Uh, Nick Saban, I'm not sure whatever happened to him. Let's just assume he had an okay career. Someone look him up. That's also worth a Google. Nick Saban, worth a Google. Twitter space is worth a Google. Uh, but, you know, let's just assume Saban ended up having some okay career. My point is, kids, that's another joke, by the way. My point is, kids, it's not the end of the world just because plan A doesn't work out. And with Brian Kelly, it's not the end of the world that his A options 
aren't going to follow him. It's not even a pure apples to apples comparison because Tommy Reese, who played at Notre Dame, was looking for every reason to stay at Notre Dame. That's the offensive coordinator there, by the way. So Tommy Reese is looking for every reason to stay at Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame, hats off to them. They gave him a reason to stay there above and beyond just coaching at his alma mater. Secondly, Marcus Freeman's not following him because Marcus Freeman gets to be the head coach at Notre Dame. That's the big news of all this. Marcus Freeman's going to be the head coach at Notre Dame at 35 years old. And I'm not going to stand for all the reverse ageism out there. Marcus Freeman's too young. Marcus Freeman's too... Marcus Freeman's not too young. What are you talking about? If he's not the right candidate, he's not the right candidate. But it's not because of his age. Now, you could talk about inexperience, but just say that. Say he's inexperienced. Don't say it's because of his age. Anyway, back to my point I was making, because I'm making like four of them simultaneously. Nick Saban goes to LSU. His assistants don't follow him. Brian Kelly goes to LSU. His assistants don't follow him. Plan A doesn't work out. Oh, well, it sucks. Dust yourself off. There are worse things in life. Plan A and Plan B, this is also not always an apples-to-apples comparison. If I go over to Pizza Hut and I walk in and they say, we're out of pizza, well, I'm gone. Because if that Plan A doesn't work out, if pizza is not available at a Pizza Hut, then that's it. There is no Plan B as far as I'm concerned. But if I go in Baskin-Robbins and I'm dead set on two scoops of mint chocolate chip, which is my favorite flavor ice cream, and they say, sorry, we're out, I'm a little depressed Yeah, I'll probably mope for a second, but then I'm going to look back up and I'm going to realize, wow, you know, there are like 1,100 other options on this menu. I can't remember the exact number of flavors they have, somewhere close to 1,100. And I'm going to probably get myself something else and two minutes into my drive home, not even be thinking about mint chocolate chip anymore. LSU, Baskin Robbins, they got a whole lot of flavors that want to come coach down there. And we'd love to have Tommy Reese and would certainly love to have Marcus Freeman and would love to have all those position coaches. We're going to be fine at LSU. I am now speaking authoritatively from the standpoint of LSU. We here at LSU are going to be fine. Nick Saban was fine. Brian Kelly will be fine. Any coach after him that goes to a major program and does not get every assistant they want right off the bat will also be fine. And let me tell you why. Did you see how much Brian Kelly's being paid? Have you seen how much Lincoln Riley's being paid? Do you see what these new contracts look like? Do you think that that reservoir of money is just going to be stopped at the head coaching level? Of course not. Every assistant in America knows what it means now to be an assistant in the SEC or really at just major top-tier Power 5 programs. Uh, There is a massive reserve of money to be had in the assistant coaching pools. I don't care if you've never met Brian Kelly. I don't care if you've not ever so much as shared a conversation on an elevator with him. You're willing to get to know him very quickly and go be on his staff if it means making that kind of money and coaching those kinds of players and quickly elevating yourself up the coaching ladder, which it does. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be willing to get to know Brian Kelly. I think a lot of people are going to be willing to jump on his coaching tree. So I think this is very overblown. That's what I think it is. You'll be very happy. Let me put it this way. If you're down in LSU country, you'll be very happy with the staff that Brian Kelly ends up having. And also, I'll go a step further. At Pate State, although we never take backup options, at Pate State, we would be able to put together good staff with the folks who don't make the cut to be on Brian Kelly's staff. Because that's how long the lines are going to be for these respective assistant coaching positions. They'll be fine at LSU. I I think it's really good for people who want to make fun of Brian Kelly today and who want to hate on him. And it's great for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a huge winner on that front, but it's not the end of the world. Far be it. It, it, This is not something you'll ever even remember when spring football gets here, much less the season next year. You won't even remember it. 
Thomas asked a question that is strangely topical this week. Thomas asked, what's the most valuable piece of sports memorabilia or college football memorabilia, I guess he said. What's the most valuable piece of college football memorabilia that you own? Well, I'm not big into the memorabilia world. I know a lot of you are. This is not me making fun of you. I know a lot of people just make fun of you. I'm not making fun of you. I get it. I don't get Star Wars, but I do get memorabilia collecting. At least I get it. Uh, I'm not big in it only because I try and collect the memories. That sounds lame, very lame, but that's me. I try and collect the memories, but I do have something that you can't buy. It's actually right in front of me as we speak. Here, I'm going to shake it. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm going to shake it, and I want you to listen to this and tell me if you can guess what this is. All right, what is that? Some of you know because I told this story Right when I got to 24-7, I told this story, so it has appeared on the show once before. I even showed it on air. That right there, friends, is the laminated offensive play sheet for Alabama from the 2017 National Championship game against Georgia. Why is that relevant this week? Well, both of those teams are playing in the same building that that game happened in up in Atlanta. And this right here is the play sheet that, who was that? Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for Alabama. That's the play sheet he would have been calling plays off of as Tua Tungavailoa hit a streaking and future Heisman winning wide receiver Devontae Smith in overtime of that national championship game to win it 26-23. How did I get my hands on this? Well, fortunately, I was standing on the field, and here was that next two minutes. I had the eye josh in hand. You've probably seen this footage several times. It happened right in front of me. The catch happened right in front of me. So one of my buddies in Tuscaloosa, Stuart McNair, if you've ever watched the replay, he's the one who gets trucked by Irv Smith in the end zone. Uh, wrong place, wrong time for old Stu. But then after that, they're coming over to me, and so I'm in the dog pile. Kind of like I was in the entire mob scene at Michigan last week. I posted a picture of that on Instagram and Twitter this morning you haven't seen yet. I was right in the middle of the dog pile. Now you got to understand something. I'm a college football fan. So even though I'm there in a professional capacity, if that stuff's happening in front of me and I love the sport like I do, I, there's no professionalism. I'm doing the same thing you would do, okay? I am largely you, except they threw a media credential around his neck and said, hey, go be a professional. Uh, well, I try, you know, and I can pretend, but in those moments, negative. So I hop in the dog pile and I'm recording the whole time. I still have this footage and I may post that later today too, because it's been a little while. Georgia fans, shield your eyes. And then once I get out of the dog pile, as you know, everything's still going crazy on the field. Brian Dable is, I don't even know where he was actually, but some of his stuff had been dropped. He probably just threw it in the air. And amongst those things is, of course, the laminated play sheet. So I figure this needs a good home. I can take care of it. It'd be in safe hands with me. And I took it and it's in safe hands with me. And I have not even ventured to sell it. I won't venture to sell it. I've been told the amount of money I could get for this. It's unhealthy. It's ridiculous. I will still not be selling it uh, because I think it's kind of priceless and I want to be able to have it like 20 years from now, at which point if I'm destitute and living under a bridge somewhere, then okay, maybe we can talk transaction. But until then, for the time being, it's in safe hands. So that is what happened and that's how I got my hands on that. To me, that's the kind of memorabilia I want. It doesn't mean as much if I go buy something. That's why I don't really do the memorabilia scene, even though, again, I'm not hating on it. I just think the value that I place on this, this laminated play sheet, which you have to shake in order to prove you have, the value on that is the story behind how I got it that I just told you. 
It's not that I went on eBay and bought it for $9,000 or something like that. Anybody who has money can have possessions. What's the story behind it? If I clicked a mouse to buy it, that's not the story I want. I want the story where I went full rogue on the field and celebrated with a team that I was supposed to just be there covering. Well, one of the teams I was supposed to be there covering, then I went and scooped up some stuff on the field. Hey, that's it, man. That's the story I want. We got another Georgia-Bama question, obviously, uh, along with a show full of Georgia-Bama and conference championship stuff tonight. I'm going to get it a little bit later, but I wanted to hit this question because I got this from a couple of you. Now, if one person claims I said something, they may have just misheard me. But like three of you sent me this. So maybe, just maybe, I had a slip of the tongue. I still don't think so. I have not gone back and listened. But here was the question. Why are you making excuses for Ohio State by saying weather lost them the game when Michigan had to play in the exact same conditions? That's from Kyle. Well, Kyle... There are no certainties in life, I guess, but here is a virtual certainty. I will give you my next paycheck if you go pull a clip wherein I said the Ohio State Buckeyes lost to Michigan because of weather. I'm pretty sure I know what I said. What I said was I think weather disproportionately impacted Ohio State, and that's a credit to Michigan. And if I didn't say it then, I'm telling you now, that's my sentiment. It's my belief that Michigan was less impacted by the weather than Ohio State. Now, that's where that sentence ends, but what's the context there? Or what's the insinuation even? The insinuation is hats off to Jim Harbaugh for having his team mentally and physically hardened and toughened to a point where they were unaffected and they even harnessed weather to their advantage, whereas Ryan Day and Mickey Mariotti, who's one of the best in the business, but he's not immune from criticism, they didn't have their team ready to come into that stuff. I watched it. I was standing right there. I was standing on the field pregame watching both teams warm up. Sometimes this is anecdotal and it means nothing, but I remember thinking to myself, Ohio State looks a little more affected by 27 degrees and snow out here right now than Michigan does. Now, that could just be road team versus home team. That could just be the normal way teams warm up, but I remember filing that away. Well, then when you watch the game and it starts to play out in a similar fashion, then you start to think, oh, maybe I was on to something. It's, it's not excuse-making. If you're impacted by an external factor more than your opponent, it's not false to say the external factor disproportionately impacted you over your opponent. That's reality. But there's a subcontext there. The subcontext is shame on you for allowing that external factor to impact you. It's also not discrediting your opponent. Michigan whipped Ohio State. They absolutely whipped them. I'm not saying that's anything other than the chief reason why Michigan won. All I was doing was I was telling you as part of that, I also think it greatly helped Michigan to have that home field advantage. So that's another credit to them. And the third credit to, I guess, God was he put those conditions in place and Ohio State suffered disproportionately from them. So yes, both teams played in it. One team withstood it. One team was stronger mentally and physically, as it turns out, than the other. So that's what I was saying. Sometimes you have to say things in passing and you hope that the context translates and maybe it doesn't always. Uh, also, I have found that a lot of times people hear what they want to hear and that's largely what the comment section tends to be full of on any kind of recap or reaction of a game. You know, I'll say one thing and then I'll go down there and there'll be 14 paragraphs written and the first sentence will be, you mean to tell me and then whatever's in the blank is false, and everything in the 13 subsequent paragraphs is predicated off that falsehood, and you can imagine how much fun that is to read. So no, Michigan wins, Michigan deserves to win, Michigan better team, weather didn't hurt Michigan. There we go, that's the best way to put it. Weather certainly didn't impede Michigan. 
Okay, move on here. Several of you, even though we're in the midst of coaching carousel and conference championship weekend, there's so much going on simultaneous. It's like five races being run at once. Also, some of you took notice. We had those playoff meetings happening in Texas again this week. And again, some of you noticed, I'm smiling ear to ear as I say it, that they had to walk away with no announcement ready that they're expanding the playoff. And largely, I don't know how it was reported, but I can tell you the reason. Greg Sankey and the SEC will not sign off on any kind of model that includes automatic qualifiers, nor should they. It's ludicrous. The concept of an automatic qualifier is ludicrous. For those of you unfamiliar with the concept, automatic qualifier, AQ, when you hear anyone say that, it just means there are people who want a playoff model wherein you are guaranteed a spot in the playoff if you win your conference. Those kinds of people, when you push back on them, will yell in your face, what's wrong with deciding it on the field? What's wrong with a sport that decides it on the field? And then they're going to follow it up inevitably like this. Like every other sport does. Every other sport's figured it out. Why can't college football? Now, if you feel that way, and it sounds like I'm mocking you, let me be clear. It's because I am. I am mocking that. I'm not mocking you. I guess I'm mocking the ideology that you happen to be professing. So I'm going to tell you why, though. I'm not just going to bat it down and then walk away. I will give you some logic-based counterpoints here, and let's see what you feel about them. I think that in every other sport, and really when you say that, you're talking about either pro sports or you're talking about college basketball. Okay, first, let me shoot down the college basketball narrative. If there were an alternate universe where it made a lick of sense to compare the sport of basketball to football, then I would argue over in that universe. That universe doesn't exist. This is apples to bowling balls. There is no comparison between the two sports. But even in a world, again, in this alternate universe we have created for arguments purposes, where these sports are comparable, and therefore there is logic behind arguing for comparative postseason structure between the two sports, I am letting college basketball be the case study for me right now. Now, you got to understand where I come from. Where I'm coming from, to be clear, is I think the regular season of college football is the best thing in the world. To me, in the sporting world, there's nothing like the regular season of college football. Ironically, most people I have this argument with agree with me there. We start off on similar footing. Where we differ is... I really don't think some of you understand the parameters that have to be in place for us to get the regular season we get. It's like walking outside on Christmas morning if you have a white Christmas and you say, wow, this is beautiful. I just, I wish it could be 60 degrees though. It's a little cold out here. Why can't we just make it 60 degrees? If you make it 60 degrees, the snow melts. If you expand the postseason, the regular season suffers. Now, a lot of you don't believe that. I know I can make your argument for you. Your argument is going to be some combination of, I think more football is always good. It's never bad, which is, no, nah, I'm not even going to waste my time on that one. Uh, but secondly, the argument centers around the premise that if you expand the postseason, it does not devalue the regular season. What it does is it puts meaning on more regular season games, i.e. late in the year, if you had 12 spots in a playoff, the teams that were ranked 13th, 14th, 15th, that they were playing in games, those games would all of a sudden mean something, whereas right now they don't mean anything, at least in relation to the postseason. I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying. I get it loud and clear. I got a counter question. Do you get what you're saying? Do you understand the context? Do you know what it means when you make it 60 degrees and still want the white Christmas? 
Because you're saying that, oh, the regular season's not going to suffer any. It's just going to get better because we're going to have more of those kinds of games. Those kinds of games. To be clear, when you're saying that, you mean the Michigan-Ohio State game last week, right? You mean Alabama-Georgia this week, right? Because these are all play-in games. These are really all playoff games. Because the loser is out of the playoff picture and the winner is absolutely in the playoff picture. Think about the urgency that existed there. So you're saying, I'm going to get more of that. Okay, let's pause that for a second and I'm going to tell you what you're saying right after this. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Probably the most suspenseful ad toss ever. There was no way you saw that ad read coming. So anyway, let's tee it back up because we've got the folks on the other side of the fence who are telling me if we expand the postseason, we're still going to have the urgency. It's not going to cost us a dime of value of the regular season. What it's going to do is it's going to give us more consequential games, right? Okay. Now, here's where you're dead wrong. You're technically correct when you say there will be more games with playoff implications riding on them. You're right about that. That's not my problem. My problem is my problem is you don't see your blind spot. You're totally blind to the concept that playoff implication does not mean the same thing with 12 teams as it does with four teams. Take the Michigan-Ohio State game the other day. It had 15, almost 16 million viewers. Do you have any idea how mind-boggling that number is for a regular season football game? Why do you think the number was so big? You think people wanted to just watch the snow? You think people were just that locked into the rivalry aspect? Oh, they were, but they were locked in from coast to coast, from Seattle to Miami, L.A. to New York. Because they knew that it was a playoff game, essentially. They knew there are only four spots out there. It is scarce. And when you increase the scarcity, you increase the value. Because the lesser you have of something, the more that something is worth. So Michigan and Ohio State were knife fighting each other. Because they knew a trip to the Big Ten title was on the line. Because they're bitter rivals. But also because they knew if we lose this game, we are out of playoff conversation. That is the value of one of the four playoff spots right now. You think you can increase the field to 12, and just because teams are playing for a playoff spot, it all means the same thing, and it all remains equal. It's not that way. It never would be that way. So in your quest to get more quote-unquote playoff implication-based matchups, you think that Pitt versus Wake Forest having a playoff spot riding on the outcome is worth degrading the integrity of the Ohio State-Michigan outcome. Because I can promise you, whether you admit it or not, if you woke up last Saturday morning and Ohio State was ranked two and Michigan was ranked four and you knew they were playing, but the postseason format was 12 and you knew that really what they're playing for is seeding, 
that that like that concept makes me sick to wake up on a college football Saturday morning that late in the year and know that there are big games happening. But since we got such a big playoff field, yeah, it's mainly just seeding like they can both afford to lose and they'll still make the playoff. That is pathetic to argue. It's absolutely pathetic to fathom to know that there's that big a safety net under these games that previous to your 12-team playoff had had maximum consequence. That's the entire beauty of this sport is you operate without a safety net under you. And yes, it is possible to lose a game and still make it, but you're not certain of it. You're not sure of it. And that's why I've got to watch every Saturday. You can't be taking a Saturday off. Conversely, those of you who want to argue the college football model and how great March Madness is, oh, it is great. That's also all that matters. You want a little evidence? Here's the evidence. Did you know last week the number one and number two college basketball teams in the country played a game? Did you know that? I didn't. And most of the world didn't, judging by the numbers that I saw on the ratings returns. And the reason they didn't know is because they know they don't have to know. They know they don't have to care because the outcome of the game is irrelevant because both teams will probably still have one seeds, maybe two seeds at worst, when the NCAA tournament rolls around. Let's compare that to college football. Right now, Georgia and Michigan are number one, number two in the country. Let's pretend it was early November, and that's the way the poll looked. What if there was an out-of-conference game this Saturday, and Georgia, number one, was facing number two, Michigan? Where would you be? Where would you know to be? You'd be in front of a TV. You'd be in front of a TV, even if you weren't a Georgia or Michigan fan, and the reason, A, is because you love the sport, But B, the reason is because you know there is true consequence riding on the outcome of that game. So that's my argument just in terms of pure scarcity and therefore value in the product of the four-team playoff. But there's this other camp, and this other camp says, I want conference championship games to matter. We need to decide this on the field. Well, I would argue conference championship games do matter. Whoever told you they don't, they're handing out a trophy. There's confetti raining down in Arlington and Las Vegas and Atlanta and Charlotte. They they make those matter. Here's what matters. It matters that you're being crowned champion of your conference. Somewhere along the lines, someone told you that's not good enough. Someone told you, unless it has to do with the college football playoff, then you can't be validated. Well, yeah, you can. You could play those games independent of the playoff altogether, and you should be very proud of winning a conference title. But the world we live in revolves around the playoff, unfortunately. And so there are people who say, we need to decide the playoff on the field. We need to let the sport decide itself on the field. The NFL does it. Major League Baseball does it. The NBA does it. If you win your division, if you win your conference, you're automatically given a playoff berth. Yes, you are, as you should in pro sports, because the variance of power team to team and relative strength from team to team is inches compared to feet and yards in college football. The best team in the SEC some years would be a three-touchdown favorite over the sixth-best team in the SEC, much less the levels of G5 where they'd be three- and four-touchdown favorites. You don't get that in pro sports. There's a concentration of power in college sports, the likes of which there is not in pro sports. You don't automatically deserve anything, and you shouldn't automatically qualify for anything just by winning a conference in this game. Case in point, Wake Forest and Pitt are playing this Saturday. Good for them. Good for both of them. Anyone who has watched those two teams play this year, though, and think they belong in the same tournament to crown a national champion as Michigan and Georgia do are kidding themselves. 
And you're not really at that point arguing for what's best for the overall sport. You're arguing for inclusion. Now, if you think inclusion is what's best for the overall sport, if you think access over excellence is what's best for the sport, we just disagree. But I'll tell you what it's like and why arguing pro versus college is irrelevant. Here's what it's like. It's like if we were to go into a school, and as you know, if you grew up in the same kind of school system I did, if you go into a school, you have remedial classes, you have normal classes, and then you have the AP classes, the advanced placement classes. Now, your boy was technically capable of being in the AP classes, but I sandbagged because I wanted to be in the normal classes. But let's say you and I get a call from the state of Georgia. And the state of Georgia says, excuse me, uh, we need you to form a task force and we need you to go to Harris County High School in Hamilton, Georgia. And we need you to find the four smartest kids in that school. Smartest kids. You define what you mean by smart, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so we need you to go find the four smartest kids. So you and I, we head down to Hamilton, Georgia. We get off the exit. 185, we stop at Hunter's Pub to get a steak, most underrated steak in the state of Georgia. And then we head over on 116 to Hamilton. And then we hit up Harris County High School and we walk to the front office and say, all right, we're here to get the four smartest kids out of this school. And the guidance counselor goes, okay, here's everyone's average grade. Here's everyone's GPA. Is that what we need? Is that what we need or do we need a little more context? Because then let's say you and I dive in a little bit more and we look at the AP class and there is a straight A student in there. So obviously... We're taking her. Look over in another AP class. There's a solid A student there. We're taking him too. And then we look at the middle tier, and there's a really standout kid that probably was like me. They were sandbagging, but good for them. They're making all A's in the regular classes, so let's put them in too. All right, now we got one spot left. How are we going to fill that fourth spot? Because we then look at the remedial class, and we see two straight A kids down there. Now, you could either be in one of two camps at this point. You could either say, well, hey, an A is an A, and we got to let them decide it in the classroom. Or you could have a little more nuance and therefore intelligence in the conversation, and you could go over to the side, not hurt anyone's feelings, and you could whisper to each other, but wait a minute, don't we think it's infinitely harder to maintain a B-plus average in the AP class than it is to get an A in the remedial class? And you can say decided in the classroom all you want to, but these classrooms aren't even remotely comparable just like in college football. These conferences, and especially levels, Power 5 to G5, in most years aren't remotely comparable. There is a ton of volatility and variance to where it makes it totally irresponsible and, in my opinion, somewhat ignorant to just claim, hey, you got one conference champ, seen one conference champ, seen them all. You win it on the field, got to decide it on the field. No, you have to decide it, and it is being decided on the field. It just needs to be decided under the proper parameters. And the fact of the matter is, the ACC is garbage this year. The fact of the matter is, the Pac-12 largely turned out to be below average to secret garbage this year. You do not just blindly grant someone access because they stood out in a landfill. Maybe they're good, maybe they're not. Point is, if Oregon was Alabama caliber and just happened to be in a bad conference, we would know. If Pitt or Wake Forest happened to be Michigan or Georgia and they just were in a bad conference, we'd know. They'd be beating everyone. They'd be body bagging everyone by five touchdowns. They're not. They're not, there is no spot that should be automatically granted to the ACC this year or the Pac-12. I'm not even saying there's a spot that should be granted to any conference. 
I'm not for automatic qualifiers of any kind. That's why I'm steadfast behind Greg Sankey, and he will get his way on this, by the way. They are not going to sign off on automatic qualifiers, nor should they. So I'm not for expanding this thing at all. I assume it's eventually going to expand. But I mean, even when we get to 12, like think about being in this room right now. This is what they're disagreeing on, to be clear. They are in agreement on 12 teams. So everyone, even Greg Sankey's ready to sign off on 12 teams. Where their disagreement is, is we want automatic qualifiers. There are people scared out of their minds that their teams won't even be good enough to be ranked as one of the 12 best in the country. Think about advocating for a model where your best team does not even rank as one of the 12 best in the country so much so that you need to argue that they automatically get placement, that they automatically just get to jump in the pot, even though they're not one of the 12 best. Do you know who the number 13 team in the country is right now? It's Iowa, and then Oklahoma, and then Pitt, and then Wake Forest. I mean, Pitt and Wake Forest are 15 and 16 right now. That's essentially what we're arguing. We have got two teams in the ACC title game, neither of whom have been good enough to get ranked in the top 12. We're not talking top four, guys. The top 12 Neither of them are good enough to be there. And so we've got people arguing that we should have a model where, oh, well, yeah, they, they barely cracked the top 15 at the end of the race, but let's just give one of them a spot anyway. You think you can do that and you can maintain the integrity of the regular season of college football, not realizing all the while the college football regular season is what it is because the postseason is different and there's not automatic qualifier status for anyone. If you can't grasp that, you're going to have to learn it the hard way. And unfortunately, even though we've got kind of a stay of execution of the 14 model right now, it does look like we'll eventually head to that point. And here's what will happen. Regular season viewership will wane and your interest in weeks one, two, three, and four will wane and you'll get your postseason. Oh, oh, December and January will be must see. That'll be great at some neutral NFL venue thousand miles away. You can't afford to go to. Oh, it'll be great. And you'll even probably get your first round on campus. That's great. I'll be there. It's wonderful. It'll be great for my show. I'll make a ton of money off of it. It will be at the expense of the best regular season in sports. But a lot of you won't get it. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. But some of you will not get it until it's too late. Because once you go down this road, you never come back. And that's the unfortunate part of it all. But I don't need to be worked up this early in the morning. So I'm just going to breathe. Sounded like I was criticizing you. No, we can disagree. We can disagree and still be friends. Uh, but at the very least, I do need you to leave a five-star review. I mean, that's, I think, how we can make up. That's my handshake. I'm reaching over the aisle, and if you want to shake my hand, do it digitally with a five-star review. Thank you so much. i got to send this off to producer Jordan this morning and then get on the road and get up to Atlanta. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you so much. If you see me in Atlanta, hit me up. Got some Academy gift cards for you. Until tonight, Late Kick Live coming at you from Atlanta, allegedly tonight, allegedly from Atlanta. Uh, for our producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless. winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.